0: It is our final replay week. Season four starts out next week with someone who has been on my personal bucket list to interview for quite a long time. Well before I knew him enough to realize that we would be bonding over farming stories as opposed to clay. But that's a story for next week's episode. First up is our final replay of one of the most popular conversations from last year with someone who I have absolutely loved getting to know and watching grow over the last two years. Jackie Wright was one of the inaugural members of my very first cohort for the Maker's Photography Styling System. And frankly, she's worked that system better than I even do, at least if her Instagram following presence is anything to show for it. While this episode was originally titled How You Can Still Grow Organically on Instagram in 2022, these tips and insights absolutely still hold true today. But before we get into all of that, a quick word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Jake,
1: purchasing agent at Amico, providing you with everything you need for clay. This episode is brought
0: to you by Amoco Brent. Find your favorite Amoco glazes or Brent equipment at your local distributor. Cheers for listening. Happy glazing. Now on with the show. How many times have you wondered how to grow your following on Instagram? You go out and you ask somebody, maybe somebody who has a bigger following than you, how to do it, only to assume what they tell you won't work for you. You tell yourself things like, oh, but they grew their account three years ago. Before reels were a thing, they didn't have to worry about reels. Things are so much different now. Or it might be, well, they started 10 years ago when there weren't so many potters and makers on Instagram. You just can't grow like that anymore. Oh, but, oh, but, oh, but. Well, my friends, it's time to break down all of those excuses. Because today's guest has grown her Instagram account from a few hundred to over 28,000, at least at the time that I'm recording this, in about a year and a half. That's right. Jackie Wright started intentionally using Instagram for her ceramics at the start of 2021. No paid ads, no clever tricks, no outsourced marketing assistance or team. Oh, and she's also not a full-time potter either. She's side hustling between family, kids, nine to five, Monday through Friday job. So if she can do it, well, I think you and I can do it too, can't we? So let's find out how from Jackie. Welcome to The Maker's Playbook, the podcast where we talk all about what it's really like to make a living from the things you make. I'm your host, Rebecca ikes Kara. Hey, Jackie, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Rebecca. Thanks for having me.
0: I know you said that with like slight trepidation and regret to be like, thank (laughs) you for strong arming me into doing
1: (laughs) this. Well, I am here with mixed emotions. I'm kind of curious and terrified at the same time.
0: That's fair. That's fair. Well, for people who don't know you and don't know how we came to chatting, how would you introduce yourself?
1: So, I'm Jackie. I um, go by Jackie Wright Ceramics on Instagram. I'm passionate about pottery, but it's something that I just do in my spare time at the moment as I have a day job. And you and I first met each other when I signed up for your photo styling system last summer.
0: Yeah, so you were in the very first group. That's like a whole little special place inaugural in cohort. Yeah, it was great. We had such a, I mean, we've had great groups ever since, but like it was, it's just such a special group. You have a pottery studio at home, right? I do. I do. Yeah. In my garden. Yep. It, Which is the, I joke, is like the quintessential English <laughs> potters. Shut you and Kara and Sophia, like anybody I know in the UK has this, like there's some company out there making these sheds.
1: Yeah, it's actually, I'm really fortunate to have it, Rebecca. It's, it's a real privilege. It's not actually true that all UK potters have a shed in their back garden. Some are at shed studios, as you know. Some have maybe yep. a basement. In years gone by, I was working out of cold, damp garages. So I've done the hard work before I got there.
0: With the cold. The thing I always do so our studio doesn't have like a sink or water right in it. So whenever yeah. I'm throwing, I go and run a kettle and have warm, like bring warm water to throw. Yep. Whereas like Francesco just throws with cold water. And I think he's a sociopath for it
1: (laughs) you you've just reminded me actually when I first started potting at home I had it wasn't even a garage it was it was like an outbuilding a, a stable in a house we were renting at the time there was no water at all it was freezing cold I used to I think I had an extension lead in there that I so I had a bit of electricity that I was drawing from somewhere else and I had a kettle. And I knew nothing about what I was doing at the time. And I used to sit there. My clay was stored there as well. And I didn't realize that freezing cold clay was not a good thing to throw with. (laughs) I really learned the hard way.
0: Well, so how did, take us back, when did you start throwing?
1: Throwing, Mm. right, first first pottery course I ever did was about 12 years ago. It was an evening class for a year. I, I sat at the wheel for the first time then. But literally for like one hour and I was hooked but we spent the entirety of that year doing slip casting and then it was actually and it's a great process and it's something I might come back to at some point but but not right now and then but I was just I was obsessed with wheel throwing I don't know where the obsession came from but I I just loved it and as soon as I could which was Probably two years later, I got myself a secondhand wheel for a few hundred pounds, set it up in that outbuilding I was telling you about. This was before YouTube was a big thing as well. I'm showing my age now. And I had a book.
0: Yes, all of like five years difference, I imagine. I was in the stable with a book
1: trying to teach myself how to throw. Um, And I threw a lot of very ugly ashtrays wonky ashtrays for quite some time. And then I had one lady come visit me for three hours to give me a tutorial. And I thought, okay, yeah, I could could do with actually learning from somebody. And so then I found myself a pottery studio to go to once a week for three hours every Friday. And it was a tiny, tiny studio. And the lady that was there was a hand builder, but she did have a wheel. So I used to sit at that wheel with my book, trying to teach myself to throw. She was the sweetest lady. And every now and again, she'd look at me and she'd say, have you ever thought about maybe going on a a course, you know, (laughs) know, every now and again? And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm fine for now. I'll get there. I'll get there. And then uh, what happened? I think it was probably a couple of years later, I found this local community studio And the reason that I went there was because I actually wanted to... I was trying to learn about glazing, and I got in touch with them to find out about glazing. And they weren't running glaze courses at the time, but I found out a bit about the studio that they had there. And it was literally a 10-minute drive from where I live, So I just decided to sign up there and go there once a week. That was probably about six, seven years ago. And once I started doing that, I actually started to learn to throw.
0: This has always been my curiosity, because when I see so many people having an at-home studio I'm thinking there's no way I could have learned what I have learned through just by myself I spent an entire year actually it's funny enough the the year that I really experienced clay was when I lived in the UK I lived in Newcastle And I spent, I was working at a nonprofit art center for at-risk kids up in Newcastle. And I was somehow helping teach them ceramics, even though I knew nothing. There was a lot of pinch pots involved in that year. (laughs) You know, I can teach eight-year-olds how to make uh, snowmen out of pinch pots. Like, you can get real creative. But, you know, I'm sitting on Saturdays when the center is closed. I had keys, so I'd come into the studio and I would sit there at the wheel for hours. And I did not get, I did not get anywhere. I could not center any better because I had, so I've always wondered with people at home, like how in the world are you moving forward on any kind yeah. of skills? Because. Yeah.
1: And and I think there are some people that it comes more naturally to, you know, I saw mm. new people walk into this studio that I was at the community studio and they sit at the wheel for the first time and they center and it.
0: And then and, I'd never speak to them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You just like smile at them sweetly whilst really throwing daggers across the room. And uh, yeah, I wasn't one of those people. It took a lot of practice and a lot of hard work. But when you're as obsessive about it as I am, you just keep going and you find a way, right?
0: Yep, absolutely. YouTube is great. But I also find that it's difficult to wean through. You know, I can look like a much better thrower than I am with the right amount of editing video oh, editing and when you don't know anything you don't know if the person you're watching actually has like bad habits that you're seeing somebody's throwing and their elbows out here and they're bouncing yeah. along if you don't know anything and that's what my arm was doing when I first started throwing well then yeah
1: absolutely there are so many things to learn aren't there and there are so many variables and my process was very much I'd learn one thing I'd get that banked Then I'd Mm -hmm. build on it and I'd learn the next thing and I'd get that bank and then the next thing. And there's probably about 50 things you need to learn, right, to be able to just sit there and be able to sit down and actually make the pot you want to make. Yeah. And you need somebody that look at you and can see what you're doing and say, you need to do this. You need to adjust that. Try this. Try that. It makes a world of difference.
0: Yeah. Which obviously being somewhere where there is a community, having access to resources, all of these things are not easy to come by for everyone and so you know figuring out a way to go on a course whether it be a long weekend somewhere or even just I don't know like, like Danny does great vid- you know finding those kind of trusted long long time experts to who are starting to teach online I suppose is helping break down some of those to yeah, yeah. resource problems
1: and, and even if you ever just get the opportunity to watch a competent thrower throwing you just watch them and you can learn so much just from watching people as well, you know, in real life.
0: I remember when two years ago, when I was on the course in Italy, I remember a friend of mine there saying that about watching one of our instructors. And I looked at her like, how can you tell anything? And then like, as I've learned, now I can watch people and see like, Oh, that's how, that's how you can learn something. But I really did. I had to have an understanding before that helped me personally because I I remember there was a time just even here at home I was doing something and Francesco showed me how to do it differently but he sliced the cylinder in half and showed me what he was doing on the inside obviously without a wheel spinning and all of a sudden things clicked because it was like oh I'm right-handed I've been worried about my right hand this whole time when really the majority of what you do is with your left hand and I hadn't you know you you default to looking at what's on the outside rather than what's on the inside so to speak but absolutely
1: absolutely and I don't know about you but I find I throw better when I stop looking at what I'm doing and feel what I'm doing I think the eyes can be a bit distracting it can throw you off because you're busy kind of trying to almost throw the pot with your eyes instead of Mm. feeling it you throw it if that makes sense
0: I think that just means that when we see you someday on the Great Pottery Throwdown, you're going <laughs> to win that challenge where they put your...
1: <laughs> you know what? I'd never be accepted on that show because I'm a one-trick pony. I only do throwing.
0: That's true. I always feel a little bit bad because there's people who clearly are brilliant hand builders and the hand building stuff doesn't come to like four weeks in or, w- or vice versa to where it's just a bit... That's a whole nother <laughs> bag of tricks. So... For everybody to kind of follow along on the timeline, you started throwing 12 years ago, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you have not yet sold any of your work.
1: (laughs) Yes, that's quite right. Yeah, I think throwing properly six years ago, pottery course 12 years ago, that was a slip casting, but yeah, no, I'm not. Well, no, that's not true. I did make a set of eight plates for somebody last summer, somebody that I know, and I sold those. Other than that, I don't believe I have sold a sausage, no. And I
0: mean that as a compliment. I mean that (laughs) not as a bad thing because, you know, I think so many of us, and myself included, I was guilty of this and then pumped the brakes on it. You know, we get addicted to it. We want to keep doing it. It costs money to do, and it also takes up a lot of space if you don't have storage. And so then you kind of default to selling it and there's Etsy yeah. and there's Instagram and it's kind of easy to put your stuff out there relatively speaking and yeah. um you know sometimes I think at least myself included definitely did that before I should have ever done it you know before well, I, I actually I had the skills.
1: It, this is really interesting so I was having um one of my posts this week I was I did a stock take this week. So I am preparing for a shop opening. And the first thing I did was I went through all of the pots that are gathering dust on my studio shelves to decide which ones I thought I could sell and which ones I wasn't happy with the standard of. And um, I made it the subject of my post on Instagram that evening because I had a lot in the seconds pile. And I mean a lot. And I thought, am I setting my standards too high? Am I being too harsh? So I took a photograph of a few that I thought could possibly, maybe I was judging them a bit too harshly. You know, it had the odd little blemish or mark. And I canvassed views and I got loads and loads of feedback. And one of the comments that sticks in my mind was from Sophia McAvoy, who's been on your podcast. And she was saying that, and, and and listening to her podcast when she did it with you, she deliberately stayed off Instagram and didn't sell until she got her pots to a standard that she was happy with. But she says even now, she looks back on the pots she might have sold a year ago and she'll cringe. So I don't know if you'll ever have, you know, when you... Because you're always improving. Mm-hmm. So it's about getting them to that standard where you just feel it's good enough. You feel you know what, if somebody's paying good money for this, I'd feel happy with it. I'm glad to send it out in the world. And and I think I've got to figure out who my kind of reference point is. I need to think about, you know, would so-and-so sell a pot of this standard? And if it's good enough for so-and-so, it's good enough for me. I just haven't figured out who so-and-so is yet. Right. Uh, as I said, it's like somewhere between Mundo Bang and a newbie potter. And I just that, don't know
0: literally, I that was literally the first example I was thinking of. Like, well, there's this end of the scale. Yep, yep. Linda Orr, you know, there's all sorts of... I think with pottery, the tricky thing is, I, I think stylistically, our opinions can change over time. And so something that some photographs I'm embarrassed by, maybe from years ago, is it because it's stylistically or is it because it's skill set? That's where I think the the difference is, right? The, the cereal bowls I still eat out of that have way too much grog on the bottom because I picked it because I liked the look of it, that now when yeah. I run a spoon across them is, like, not the way you should start your day. <laughs> like, yeah. not a great sound versus learning, oh, okay, that's why that's not a good match for dinnerware and the experience of eating and whatnot like that's a completely different situation than I no longer like that glaze color yeah yeah right. yeah I
1: mean I anything I make that I like that I think could potentially become a candidate for selling the first thing I do is bring it into the house and use it and see what it's like day to day and then I figure out what bits I want to adjust what tweaks I need to make so I think on that side on the functional side I'm reasonably happy. It's more to do with the standard of the make itself. You know, I, I kind of make life really difficult for myself because I'm working in porcelain, it's minimalist and it's unglazed on the outside. So you see everything in the finish. I mean, everything. There is nowhere to hide. And so, you know, any dink, any mark, any blemish is visible. And You know, one of the things that came through on the post the other night was actually lots of people are saying, but that's what gives something character. And that's why I buy handmade pottery. And if I wanted something flawless, I'd go and buy something from Target. But at the same time, you know, it's got to be something that I think is worth the money that I charge for it. And that I'd be happy to receive it and I'd be satisfied with it if I received it. And it's just finding that balance, isn't it? And it might be that I've just made things too difficult for myself with the unglazed and the minimalist. And it might be that what I end up doing is changing the aesthetic a little bit. Otherwise, I'm going to have a super high attrition rate. And if I want to make any money, I'll be selling cups for 500
0: pounds because there'll be one in 100 that makes the grade, you know? (laughs) That's an age-old question, at least at our dinner table, is that idea of, you know, the, well, it's handmade. Being able to pass off something as imperfect, saying, well, it's handmade. And at least from Francesco's very opinionated standpoint, it's like, well, there's a difference between saying that because... Your skills aren't up to snuff and like it's poorly balanced or the handle is off or, you know, the bot it's the weight of a paperweight when you really should have been able to make something three times that tall with that amount of clay or what have you. Like there's a difference between saying that to make up for skills that we don't have versus saying that because it's something either intentional or. Yeah,
1: that's exactly it. That's exactly it. A
0: minor, a minor little thing.
1: Yeah, and there are, and and it depends on your style and your aesthetic, right? And and there are clays and there are looks and there are glazes where actually having you know, having really prominent evidence of the making process just adds to the pot and makes it even better. I've yeah. gone for this minimalist thing, you know, where everything's sleek and smooth, and then if you have a big you know, the ribs, the metal ribs, and it's left just yep. a great mark in it, you know, that does it just doesn't sit right doesn't sit right. So yeah, no, it's good. It's all learning. And as I go through and I'm kind of critiquing them all, I'm thinking about what I can adjust in how I make them and what else I need to do to avoid those problems occurring in the future, which will make for you know the standard that hopefully I'm
0: happy with. And then I'll get round to actually selling them. I love the time that you're taking. I think it's such respect to the craft as well and something that you don't see very often and why I did kind of repeatedly ask you to come and be interviewed. <laughs> <laughs> because You know, anymore today, it's like, right, we've got a hobby, you like it, let me jump on Instagram, let me show it to the world, and now I want it to be successful in a matter of three months, right? Whereas, okay, you've been properly throwing for six years, and when did you, what's the timeline between when you had an Instagram versus when you actually started, like, publishing things, putting things out there?
1: Yeah, so I I set up my Instagram account. I mean, I've had my own personal Instagram for years, but a ceramics Instagram account was
0: a year and a month ago. I'm looking at it. So 13 months ago, and we are currently recording in 2022. Let's call it May of 2022, because it's the end of April. May of 2022, so all the algorithm changes, all of the things. So you started 13 months ago. And as of today, you are currently sitting at 25,900 followers. <laughs> not that it's about followers, not that it's about the follower number, but it's the other, this is the other piece of the puzzle that I think so many of us, and I have been guilty of this before, can default to thinking, oh, I've missed the opportunity to grow on instagram or oh i've you know had i started a few years ago there were less potters i could have you know old joe at old forge or kurt or whatever they started ages ago and that's why they're so big and the algorithm is out to get me and i can't grow and you know all of these very negative mindsets but then i look at somebody like you and go well then why is it how is jackie in where the place that she is and i think i just gotta Suck it up and figure it out.
1: Yeah, I mean, no one's more surprised than me, Rebecca. (laughs) Um, As we sit here, I honestly don't know why. You know, I can tell you what I do. Which of those things is the things that makes the difference? I have no idea. None
0: whatsoever. I have some guesses. (laughs) Well, if you don't mind, let's just kind of peel back the curtain for people. And what are you doing actively right now? Or maybe where you started versus what you're doing now, even.
1: When I first started, I, I decided I was going to post every day because I think I, you know, I'd seen, I don't know if I'd read things or seen other accounts and it seemed to be, you know, the mantra seemed to be, if you want to grow, you've got to post every day. So I started off posting every day and that would have been, as I said, it was at the end of March, start of April. And I think I probably got to... Trying kind to of wonder, remember when it was. Now a few months into it, and I just thought this is not sustainable. I just can't do this. It's too much, and it's not enjoyable. And I, I don't know if I mentioned, but I do it. In, I do pottery in my spare time. I have a day job. I work four days a week. I've got a husband, two kids, two dogs, so quite a busy life. And it yeah. takes time. Instagram takes time, but so it should. It's a free marketing app at the end of the day. You know, you don't have to pay for a global platform, so it requires a bit of effort. And that's understandable. But I thought every day is just not sustainable for me. I can't do it. So then I thought, right, I'm going to figure out a schedule that I think works for me. And I'm going to stick to that. And now I post five days a week. I don't post on a Monday. I don't post on a Wednesday. I do five days a week. And other than the regular posting, I was just, you know, following accounts that I really like that really inspired me engaging if there was something that came to mind when I was reading other people's posts so it was always you know it's always if something jumped into my head when I looked at someone's post I'd make a comment about it I wouldn't I wouldn't kind of force myself to come up with a comment but if it was there you know then I'd engage Um, and that's quite difficult for me because I'm an introvert when I had my private Instagram account I think you know liking someone's post took a big deep breath before I did it you know never mind actually commenting on somebody's post so that was a big step change for me in the first place and then what changed and then
0: reels came along reels is the big thing isn't it? I love that that was a genuine question but like in hindsight <laughs> could be so sarcastic of like then what changed oh right reels
1: <laughs> and I remember watching this real thing going on and it was obviously being promoted by Instagram and I was like, oh, God, I don't know what I think about that, you know. And then I thought, well, I'll just I'll just do one and see what happens. And it was, I mean, when I think back to it, I talk about cringing, you know, cringing about past pots, you cringe about past reels as well. And I think back to when I think, oh, wow, that was just atrocious. But the night, and this was, I can't have had more than about, I don't know, 250 followers at the time, but the night I put the reel out, it immediately jumped to about 2,000 views. And I, I almost literally nearly threw my phone across the room and ran away and hid. I didn't know what was going on. I was like, this is really bizarre. But actually, I think that's a lot of people's experience with their first reel now or it was at the time. You know, it, it, mm-hmm. it's like throwing yeah. you a bone, you know. it's It gives you that dopamine hit and gets you to come back for more. But then I thought, well, actually, as as I got a bit more relaxed with the idea of making reels, I thought, actually, I'm just going to try and incorporate it into when I'm in the studio doing something. And if there's something going on that I think might be interesting to film, I'll film it and I'll make it into a reel. So I increased the amount of reels I was doing. And I also carried on with the photography as well. Big step change in my photography game. Might have done a course at some point last summer with somebody. (laughs) Might have helped... (laughs) And, yeah, and that's all I've been doing, basically. I try and take what I consider to be nice photographs. I try and film what I consider to be either interesting, i.e. educational or visually pleasing reels. Yeah, and that's what I do, and I engage with people. I engage with people as much as I can in the time that I've got available. So, yeah, consistency, I think, plays a big part. I've seen other people on Instagram who don't necessarily do anything special but they do it every single day and they grow so I think consistency with your posting has got a lot to do with it obviously though I think you have to be putting content out that people like I think that helps yeah consistency is what I think I I'd, I'd attribute it to the most but you who took knows? the words
0: you took the words right out of my mouth that was if you didn't say it I was going to it's consistency in posting but I also think a twin to that you know not one over the other but consistency of posting but you also have consistency of style like i know exactly what it's going to look like when we come to see your content and there is that and not in like a it's still fresh but it is just people know what to expect i guess and i think as creatives we're constantly trying to think of how to come up with something new how to do something differently when really somewhere in our subconscious since we're all managing so many things a million times a day my assumption is maybe somewhere in our brains we're actually looking for we want to know what to expect in a way right you know right I don't know we'll have to interview a a psychologist for that one but yeah
1: yeah (laughs) it's it's interesting isn't it I don't know I mean I as I was taught I take my photographs in the same place with the same setup I'm not as good as I could be in terms of making sure that the light is always coming from the same direction that's one of the problems with having to kind of fit your pottery in around the edges sometimes you can't just pop out and take the picture when the light's in the right place at the right time of day and one of the things I loved I mean I think I said this at the time that I did the course one of the reasons I signed up for your course was because I wanted to be able to go out there and take a take a photo in five minutes or less and then be done Whereas previously, mm-hmm. I would spend an hour plus just trying to get one image. So you've got all your tips and techniques, you know, your fail safes for arrangements and things you can do. So I know what I'm doing. I go out there, I take the photo. It's always got the same kind of elements to it. So I guess that's where the consistency is coming from. Yeah. That's it, really.
0: I didn't even intend for this interview to be a pitch for the course, but now I've got a, you know, now we've got to think about it. No.
1: <laughs> well, you know, um, one of the things that stopped me setting up an Instagram account for I did, because I, I remember talking at this community studio four or five years ago to somebody at the studio at the time saying, I'm going to set up an Instagram account for my ceramics and just see what happens. I've been following Potters on Instagram forever and I could see it was all really taking off. But it took me another four years to get around to it. And one of the reasons... I was reluctant to do it is because I took rubbish photos. Absolutely rubbish photos. And I knew I did. That's why when your course came along, I was like, where do I sign? That's wonderful.
0: That's wonderful. And also the time piece of it, right? Because none of us, even if you're one, when you're full-time selling, full-time self-employed, like I don't have the time to set up a whole styled shoot every single time I need to take a picture of a singular pot. You know, like that's just not good use of time. Like we should be spending time with loved ones, going, exploring new places, getting outside. I don't know, doing something else.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Although interestingly, I completely agree. But also I found that I think I love the photography and the filming side almost as much as I love the throwing side. I get a real buzz from it. And I think that's what makes producing stuff for Instagram relatively easy for me because I actually really enjoy it. I get such a buzz when I take what I think is a good photograph. I really do. Or if I produce a reel that I think, you know, yeah, that's nice. That's achieved whatever it is I was trying to achieve when I did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's almost as good
0: as, almost as good as throwing a decent pot. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it'll never. No, I don't want that to ever supersede. (laughs) Like, (laughs) then we've got our hobbies misaligned. And for me personally, throwing will still always be above photography. Yeah. And what I just want to point out before to belabor the point for everyone, because I can hear everybody going, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but what I see in what you're doing on Instagram, not only with from the photo, you've taken the setup that we applied to photography in the course, and then the exact same thing with all your reels. You know, it seems to me that more or less, it's in the same spot over and over. And, you know, however, you're just splicing together different things, but you're not doing... Like when I look at what somebody like Florian is putting together, like that is a lot of production happening as far as all of the different splicing of all of the different locations in the studio and the different process from start to finish all in one video. You didn't know that I've been doing this, but as I have been working on convincing my very introverted husband to start his Instagram account, to start his ceramics business, I've said, right. Look at what Jackie's doing. I want you to do what Jackie's doing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a huge compliment. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Because it is, it doesn't have to be, it does take a lot of time. It does take a lot of work. You don't want it to be the main gig. You're not a social media marketing manager. And yet it is important. To your point, it is a relatively free platform. You know, you don't free in the sense of money out of your pocket. Obviously our time is not, our time is valuable. And so you want to systematize it in a way that you can just, like you said, fold it into what you're already doing every day and it just kind of more or less produce itself rather than it being this big to do every time you think about doing it and having to start all over again and, and, oh, let me figure out how I'm going to take this picture instead of like, boom, I go here, I do this, I do that and it's done.
1: Yeah. And it takes a bit of experimentation to find something that works for you. But once you've got that and you, you've done that, it's just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Because And that's what I have to do because I don't have the time for anything else. I want to maximize the time available I have to actually do the throwing. So, yeah, it's the same setup, as you say, over and over again. And, yeah, it's just become part of being in the studio as much as throwing is now.
0: I love that. And is there kind of a time you set aside? you know, since you're managing your full-time job and kids and husband and dogs and all these things, do you kind of set aside a certain amount of time and say, right, this is when I do Instagram, I do it for this much time and then I'm done or? In the
1: mornings when I'm having a coffee, I'll go on then. But there's, that's always bookended because I've got to go and be at my desk at a certain time or walk the dogs before I'm at my desk at a certain time. So maximum amount of time in the morning would be 30 minutes, sometimes less. And that's just while I'm sitting having a coffee or having my breakfast or what have you. And then in the, in the evenings, it can fluctuate how much time I'll spend. It depends on how much engagement I have on my posts because I like to reply to everybody that comments. And also, it depends on how much I've got to say about other people's posts, because as I said earlier, if something speaks to me, I'll I'll make a comment. So some evenings it could be 30 minutes. Another evening, it could be an hour. So it it really varies. It really varies.
0: But that's a manageable amount of time. I mean, we're talking at most two hours a day if we're rounding up.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then. And, and the way I, I just view it as an investment, when I started it, I didn't really have a game plan. And I just said, I'm just going to do it and see what happens. I'm going to do it for a year and I'll see what happens. And I think at the time I might have thought, you know, if I've, if I managed to get, I don't know, to 5,000 in a year, I'll be really pleased, you know, and I'll, I'll just see where it leads me. I'll see what, you know, putting myself out there does, whether people seem to like what I'm doing, whether it might be worth taking that next step and, selling stuff online and I'm just putting one foot in front of the other and seeing where it takes me in the time that I've got available. Yep. That's a, I mean, 5,000 in a year would
0: be success by anyone's measure also. Yeah. I'm not there. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. I, I had no idea, you know, that I picked that number out of the air. I had no idea how easy or difficult it would be. I didn't have a clue. I just, yeah, I just started and, and thought, well, we'll see
0: where this goes. And what I love about that is that It's very much coming at it from a experimental kind of detachment, if you will, which I think is so important because so many of us can get caught up in the emotion of like, ah, why is it not working for me? Why is it, you know, so-and-so has this and I don't. And, you know, that's the monster that is, that's the negative side of social media, right? Is the comparison monster. And when we get caught up in the emotional side of it, I think sometimes that can affect our decision making in a not so great way as opposed to just like factual okay here is this information I'm presented with here's the data here's the facts and how do I make a decision based in that as opposed to yeah how you feel it's, it's
1: the psychology of the app is really interesting isn't it and it is it's designed to draw you in and it's designed to to stimulate an emotional response and it's designed to give you those dopamine hits that keep you going back for more but you know I went through well for the first time when I started posting every day and it got too much and I found it all a bit overwhelming I had to take that step back and say hang on a minute what's going on here and decide the terms on which I was going to engage with it and then and it's easy it's easy when you're growing it's easy when you're getting you know engagement and reactions that's okay. it's a pleasure an absolute pleasure But it wasn't always like that. I had this huge, huge spurt of growth. And then it just stopped. You know, the the numbers slowly started declining and the reach was going down. And and I I wasn't doing anything different. And I thought, this will be interesting to see what happens. Am I just going to see this bit of growth and then I'm just going to come tumbling back down again? That didn't actually happen, but it kind of plateaued. And then it started growing again. And I didn't do anything different. And the only thing I could draw from that is I thought, you know what, sometimes for whatever reason, the algorithm throws you a bone, you know, (laughs) and then it takes it away and then it might throw it back again. And that's just, you know, and you just can't allow yourself to get emotionally invested in that because you're not in control of it. You don't know why it's happening. I don't view it as a job, you know, but I just view it as something that I just need to do regularly. And sometimes it'll be great. And sometimes it'll be not so great. And that's just part of the process.
0: I love, 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 love. I keep saying I love, I love, I I sound like a broken record, but your approach to that is so healthy for everyone to hear, you know, that like when you saw those numbers plateau, you didn't then look and say, what am I doing wrong? You said, well, I haven't changed anything. I'm just going to keep on keeping on. And, you know, you had the the wherewithal to look at it as, all right, here's what's happening with Instagram. Here's what's happening with this business platform that I'm using for myself. What does that mean for me instead of, oh, it doesn't work. I'm going to stop. Because had those numbers plateaued and you just stopped, and this goes back to our, our statement earlier on consistency you know like if in fact it's a matter of the algorithm throwing you a bone every once in a while you still have to be there to catch the bone right like if you're not posting anything
1: and my suspicion is that if you stop posting you will see you do go down in the algorithms rankings for whatever reason which is why it's just about keeping on keeping on and eventually it kind of it changes again but also you know it's easy for me to remain detached because I'm not driving an income stream from this at the moment. And for people that do, and they rely on that, and they rely on reaching out to people and getting that audience because they're having a shop update, I can see how it's much, much, much more difficult for them. And I'm not, I'm in the luxury of not being in that place right now. So in some ways,
0: it's easier to be able to view it, it in a more analytical way. For which I have to say, and people are going to say, yes, Rebecca, we know you've said it a million times. Here's why you should start an email list. Yes. Also, Just.
1: Yeah, I listened and I have one. I have one and I have subscribers. Amazing.
0: Woohoo! Yeah. Woohoo. All right. We'll talk about what to do with them another time. <laughs> because the catch is, and people are going to hate to hear this part, the catch is, you know, you can't just get the s- subscribers and then never talk to them. Because it's like meeting somebody at a bar, getting their phone number, And then never calling them until you, I don't know, get your hair cut and colored two months later and you decide you want to go on a date. It's like, well, they're not going to pick up the phone if it's two months later. (laughs) They'll say, who's this? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So at least I assume not. I mean, dating is miserable. I I never found it any fun, so. (laughs) But I mean, it's funny how many different, like, there's either two metaphors, I think, for business. It's either the scientific method, like we talked about, as far as saying you're going to test something out, experimenting, coming at it from that data-driven, non-emotional place, or there's like the dating metaphor. Like those are the two. Those are <laughs> the two comparisons for everybody who's never done business before, as far as like how to communicate with people and and whatnot. But
1: that's yeah. a conversation
0: for another time. I've just gone down a very strange rabbit hole. <laughs> Well, what is, what's kind of your, without giving away too much or over committing you to any official launches, what's your hopes? What's the vision forward for Jackie Wright Ceramics?
1: So for for sure, getting the web shop up and running, that's the next goal. And in order to get there, I need to make some more stuff because i told you a lot of things have gone in the seconds pile so i have you know but it was a great exercise because now i know what it is i need to correct for so yeah making the stock figuring out how to list the stuff on the website so i've got my i use square space for the uh for the platform so figuring out how to list stuff how to sort out shipping how to set up payment all that good stuff and then hopefully you know sell some pots When? Mm -hmm. Anyone's guess, because, you know, I can set myself some goals and then life happens. So, yeah, who knows? Next few months would be great, but we'll
0: see. Love it. I love it. Is there anything you feel like you wish people knew either about how, I mean, I hate to belabor the point of Instagram, but I do think it is such a special place that you've been in in terms of of getting to where you are now in the time, in this last year that you have. And that's generally a lot of people's kind of pushback of, oh, it doesn't work anymore. So, kind of two part question What you feel like you would want people to know to kind of help them along on this journey from an Instagram standpoint, but also, you know, maybe something people don't know when they're looking at what you're doing and making as far as day to day and balancing life?
1: So, Instagram, I would. I would really advocate, you know, being consistent with it, deciding what you can maintain in terms of a posting schedule and then sticking to it and give yourself, you know, doing it for a month is not going to make a difference. You need to be doing it for six months and then see if you get some results. It's not something that happens overnight. But also treating it as a bit of an experiment. So if it works, it works. If it doesn't, fine. Move on to the next thing. Have your plan B or your plan C so that you don't feel... You know, so invested in it, perhaps. And I think the other thing, engage with it in a way that's meaningful to you. You know, if, as I said before, if I see a post and something pops into my head, make the comment, you know, and if it doesn't, it doesn't like it and, and move on by. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't really feel like I'm in a position to give anyone advice because I don't really know what I've
0: done. <laughs> How much did you, I guess, did you look at a lot of what other potters large and small accounts whatever we're doing to say ah okay they're doing this I'm gonna do that or they're doing this I'm not gonna do that
1: I don't think I did it in a kind of research way I didn't approach it like that I think I just absorbed it by osmosis because I've been following potters on Instagram for six years I've been fo- following Florine Gadsby for at least five you know I've got some mm-hmm. of his you know I've got Pots that I bought from him five years ago. I've got pots from when he made them in Japan. You know, I've been watching forever. So I think I just kind of absorbed it all as I've gone along. And it's a bit like any art form, I suppose, in a way. You know what you like and then mm-hmm. y- you kind of take on those influences, don't you? And then it comes out in what you do.
0: Another point I just kind of want to reiterate to anybody that's half listening in their studio from the other side of the room is, you know, that that recognition of figuring out what works for you. There's plenty of resources online that will say, do this, don't do that, post this many times, et cetera, et cetera. But I always kind of fall back to recognize where that resource is coming from, right? Like if Instagram is putting out, hey, if you want to grow on our platform, you should post three times a day and be sure to use reels and do this and do that. Like, well, let's bear in mind Instagram is a bit of a bias educator here right Uh because their goal is to get you to spend more time on their platform in turn your followers to spend more time on their. so all of their advice is through the lens of how does Instagram make more money right
1: as opposed
0: to what works for the capacity that you have as a single individual managing a side hustle or someone who's even full-time as a single individual with no employees or you know, like what's going to work for big brands is completely different than what's going to work for any of us individual makers.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And you have to find something that you can sustain and that doesn't feel like a chore because what's the point otherwise? And whatever that means for you as an individual, I think, you know, I think you have to be a little bit aware of what Instagram is pushing. And if you feel you can incorporate that into what you're doing, then do it. You'd never do it at the expense of it not feeling authentic or, you know, jarring. But, you know, Instagram for, is, is promoting video. That's what they've been doing for the past year plus. If you can find a way to incorporate that into what you're doing in a way that works for you, do it. If you can't, don't. There's another potter that I follow who only ever posts a photograph every single day, an image, mm. no reels, photo every single day. And she's consistently growing and continuing to grow. So it doesn't have to be about reels if that doesn't work for you. I really do think it comes first and foremost comes down to the consistency.
0: Oh, I love that. But I also think it's important to know she is doing a photo every single day. This is where the experimenting brain comes in in terms of, okay, if you hate reels, if you hate video... You can do something else, but what's the trade-off, right? Yeah. So can I get away with seeing the growth that I want to see by posting two times a week, but having that be two reels or three times a week and having that, you know, whatever the number is, Yeah. Yes, but having that be a reel as opposed to seeing the growth I want to see, but needing seven photos a week, right? Yeah. And what's that kind of, it's interesting. I'm listening to a podcast that is, oh, what's the name of it? I'm gonna have to look it up but basically the ethos of it is the idea of getting off like how can you grow a business without social media like the hypothesis is there are ways to grow if you don't want to be on social media if it's bad for your mental health if it's just not a good fit there are other ways to grow a business and let's talk about them is effectively Mm -hmm. the nature of this podcast and it's funny because every time I listen it, it reminds me that like it's the answer isn't if, okay, you can leave Instagram and still grow and you're going to save all of this time because you're just, you're choosing a different thing. You don't have to use Instagram to grow a business, but you're still going to have to put the time into something, Absolutely, whether that be in-person sales, whether that be wholesale clients, whether that be network, you know, whether that be networking with people in person, whether that be podcasting, whether that be whatever, something you're going to have to do something. Somebody find me the potter who has a wonderful garden shed somewhere in the countryside who sits and pots all day long and makes their stuff and sells enough work to pay for reasonable living and somehow people magically find them. If somebody finds me that example, I will stand corrected. I will happily have that interview and I will copy everything they've done in life to have that same life.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all? Right?
0: Right. But like, there's a trade off somewhere. And the point that I'm taking way too long to get to is that I think it's just a matter of deciding what's the best fit for you personally, your life, and how you can balance that time and which, where that's going to be. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Well, not to get too far into the weeds, but do you feel like there has been anything with the consistency that you have produced over this last year? Is there anything that you've done to kind of guard your time with that and to make it manageable? You know, you mentioned same spot over and over again for photos. You're using the system that we talk about in the photography styling course outside of that.
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I suppose when it comes to reels, I've kind of made it as time efficient as I possibly can. So I'll have the camera running while I'm throwing, then I'll have it uploading to my um, iPad while I'm, I don't know, unloading the dishwasher, whatever it is that needs doing in the background. And then I use InShot to edit it. And I've kind of over time, I've kind of systematised the way I edit my reels as well so that it's quicker to put them together now. And sometimes I can literally... It, it depends on the reel, but if it's a reel that's just showing the throwing of the pot from start to finish but sped up, it can be done in five minutes. If it's one that is is real time but you're editing the footage, it obviously takes a bit longer. The thing that I, I spend more time doing, which really annoys me, is finding music to go with them. Some days... I find the right track instantly. And other days I can be hunting and hunting and hunting and not find something that I think suits suits the footage. So that's the bit that I need to figure out. And, you know, just kind of have a list of pieces of music that I like to hand so that I can just say, yeah, yeah, and pick it quickly.
0: I yeah. recently started doing something for this because I was chatting with Nicole Daisy and she was talking about saving audio, right? Like, you know how you can... Uh-huh save you watching somebody else's reel you can save the audio in their reel so I got to doing that but then I was still wasting just as much time because you can't so much of the audio you save in Instagram nobody's changed the title of it so it just says like original recording and they yeah. have to go through and, and listen to every single one again to find the one that I had in mind or find something that fits yeah and so that didn't help any so what I-, I started doing was I'll still save it. So I have it in that list, but then I'll also copy the link, you know? So when you go to save an audio, you can also copy the link to it. Okay. And so I'll copy that link and I will put, this is where my system's nerdy brain comes up. So I'll copy the link and then I will open my Asana app, which is my like, and you could do the same thing with a notes app, right? You don't have to use like Asana the free project management tool I use. So I just have a million different category it, it helps me categorize it. But you could do the notes app, you could do whatever free text app you have on your phone. And then what I will do is I will write the I'll write something to remember what the heck the audio is. So whether it be an idea I had when I listened to it, whether it be you know calm instrumental piano or what havein or Beethoven or whatever it is. So I'll write something that allows me to remember what the heck it is and then put the link next to it. Mm-hmm. And that way then I have a list. Of words that mean something to me to be yeah. able to see ah okay that's the one I'm looking for and I can click on that link and it'll open up an Instagram and then I can you know save it or or find it and add it to the reel or whatever
1: yeah that's the next step figuring out how to choose the music quickly I think that could save some days that could save me thirty minutes. The days when it takes me a while. Yeah, it's a joke. I I, kind of go down a bit of a rabbit hole because I have to find what I think is the right piece of music. (laughs) And sometimes it's just there Mm -hmm. straight away. And then other days, you know.
0: Yeah. Talking about music now makes me just think about the fact that, again, wanting to reiterate for anybody listening who's fed up with Instagram, which are a lot of people, you know we haven't talked about a trend like, yes. Okay. Reels are a trend in the sense that's what Instagram is promoting right now. But like, we're not talking about you jumping on some audio thing and dancing or changing outfits or doing any, like you are still doing what your focus primarily wants to be. And using this little sliver of a platform to take advantage of what yeah. they're doing but we're not you're not yeah. doing lip-synced audio tracks because an audio is trending on reels or anything like that
1: nothing could be further from my repertoire i couldn't think of anything less i'm just too shy for any of that you don't even see my face on my reels you see my hands and that's it and that's because i'm camera shy
0: <laughs> i think there's one picture of your face on your old instagram maybe two now one, one. one. one.
1: Oh no there might be two there might be an obscure one early on yeah and that that I had to put my big girl pants on for that one yeah to post that that took there was a big gulp before I I pressed post
0: (laughs) but I love that too because again it bucks the assumption to people out there who are thinking I'll never grow the way I want to because I'm too shy or I'm introverted or whatever it's it's a beautiful example again of find your own way there is still a way to do this that suits you if you want to do this
1: and and actually you know we're all so different we're all so unique so if we find something that works for us we've got variety which is so much better than seeing the same style of in my opinion so much better than seeing the same style style of real over and over again
0: absolutely absolutely i love it so much well now that we've spent an hour talking about instagram for people that (laughs) don't know you on instagram where should they come
1: i'm jackie wright ceramics
0: And I will link it in the show notes or people can go to makersplaybook.com slash podcast. If you don't know where the heck show notes are, then just go to the website and you'll find it there too. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for letting me convince you after a few months. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me, Rebecca.
1: It's been very enjoyable.
0: And with a lot of very kind words from Jackie that I did not anticipate, that wraps up episode 309 here on the podcast. I am absolutely thrilled to know that the systems we've created are helping other makers take better photos faster, save themselves time, and move forward towards their goals. And while it may be a little early to say this, it kind of seems too perfect of a fit not to. If I'm sitting here teaching you guys marketing, it would be really silly for me not to take this moment to tell you. I'm planning to reopen the doors to the maker's styling system. The goal is to restart the six-week course at the start of September. Kind of a little back-to-school time for all of us grown-ups. Making sure to get this going in September again means that you will have all of the details of the course, the step-by-step system that Jackie also has been using to create her own images in time for those big holiday shopping season in November, in time for your shop updates, all of the things. So just imagine what amazing photos might do for your Etsy or your online shop when the most people are coming online to purchase special handmade pieces for this holiday season. I know it sure helped our giant mug hang onto its first place page search results for the keywords that we listed for in Etsy. We definitely stand out from the crowd. So, if you want to be sure to find out when the doors are officially open to the Maker's Photography Styling System, then hop on over to www.makersplaybook.com slash waitlist dash mpss so that's makersplaybook.com backslash waitlist dash mpss and in there you're just going to pop your email into a quick little form to be added to the waitlist Waylist is super important because we do always limit the number of seats inside this six week course since I am so darn hands on with it. I do not have the capacity to have it super open ended. So if you want to be sure to save your seat, don't miss out. The nice thing about reviewing your past work, in my case, these episodes, is that you can see how you actually improved. And frankly, simplified some things. I will, in fact, be hosting another cohort of the Maker's Photography Styling System later this year, even though this replay recording was talking about the previous cohort of the Maker's Photography Styling System. But this upcoming one, I don't know the exact dates of just yet. I'm still working on the rest of my calendar for this year. So getting on our waitlist is still, in fact, the savviest way to be sure that you hear more about it if you're interested. But it's a lot easier to do now because the URL is simply makersplaybook.com waitlist. That's it. So much easier to say makersplaybook.com waitlist. Thank you so much for sticking with me through these replay episodes. I probably don't have to explain to all of you who are equally trying to beat back the online algorithms and win at this crazy dream of making a living with the things that we make. How scary it can sometimes be to take a break. Your support and encouragement, your emails and your DMs reminding me that you would still be here for these conversations over this last month, while I took my own much-needed, long-overdue break, was truly a balm to my senses. If you want to see what I've been up to these last couple of weeks, be sure to follow at the Maker's Playbook on Instagram. Spoiler alert: it involves a lot of the clay. Also, a big thank you to our sponsor, Amico, for helping make this podcast possible. Hi,
1: I'm Jake, purchasing agent at Amaco, providing you with everything you need for clay. This episode is brought to you by Amaco Brent. Find your favorite Amaco glazes or Brent equipment
0: at your local distributor. Cheers for listening. Happy glazing. Audio post-production of this podcast is made possible by help from Christy Kotzfan with promotional material assistance from Queenie Maliki. The Maker's Playbook podcast is recorded on the original homelands of the Potawatomi, Ochunk, and Menominee people, where the people of Wisconsin's sovereign Anishinaabe, Ochunk, Menominee, Oneida, and Mohican nations remain present. Until next time, my friends, go get back to making your dreams a reality. Because together, we've got this.